Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, guys. This is Ruben. And today we have another special edition of the Hoops and Hefeweizens podcast where we kind of talk about the MJ documentary that everybody's been watching. I'm just kind of talking about what's going on and where my, our thoughts are and stuff like that. Tonight is kind of special because it's the one time I think I'm doing a podcast solo. <laughs> so unfortunately, you get to hear my takes the entire time. You get to hear my voice. And, um, you know, let's just get to it. Um, so tonight's documentary is about... Uh, Episode seven and eight, which you know talk about Michael retiring, Michael doing baseball, coming back, some more stuff about him, um, you know facing the magic when he came back, and kind of stuff with uh, Space Jam, which was obviously a big part of I think a lot of listeners' uh, childhoods um, and stuff like that. So the first thing we need to talk about really is the fact that Michael retiring, right? For me, that would be one of the, that would have been the craziest thing if I was old enough to kind of remember what it was like to kind of see that happen. Um, again, like, we all kind of know, like, Michael's father was, you know, was murdered or whatever. And, you know, there are still a lot of speculation of whether Michael had debt or owed money or got his father killed or whatever. Um, and some other people think, you know, he was tired, which I can kind of see that too. And I know that this documentary is very much controlled by Michael and his people. So, you know, they talk about the fact that he's tired, you know, like towards the end of, you know, the first three Pete, he's tired of kind of being the limelight all the time. And it bogs people down. Like, that's true, you know, but at the same point, like, certain things like we know about Michael's gambling habits. Like that's something that everybody knows about. Um, he's a psychopath when it comes to wanting to win and wanting to prove a point and things like that. Um, so for me seeing all that, it was a little cathartic just because like, I think about like my parents, especially cause today, the day that it dropped, it was uh, mother's day in the U S so you know, just thinking about, like, my parents passing away or, like, just whatever. And just, like, me not wanting to proceed doing, like, what I'm doing because that. And on top of, like, just being burned down and stuff like that. Like, I totally see it. And I do sympathize with Michael because it's never easy losing, you know, a loved one and stuff like that. Um, and as for my thoughts of whether you know, he retired because of a debt or because, you know, he got his father kid or killed or whatever. Um, I don't think that we'll ever know. Again, like, this documentary is very Michael Jordan approved, which means that he had a lot of say 
in what was mentioned to people and stuff like that, or what was mentioned in the documentary and stuff like that. So I don't really see him being like, oh, yeah, of course I, you know, retired because I got my father killed and stuff like that. Like, he's not that guy to, even if it was true, I don't think he would admit that. Um, so that was really interesting. And then, of course, he retires and becomes a baseball player uh, with the um, with the Washington, with the, not Washington, with the Chicago uh, White Sox team, uh, their organization, because, of course, you know, um, they're like the owner, you know, the owner owns both Reisendorf or whatever. He owns both the Bulls and the White Sox. So, of course, it's pretty easy just for kind of just to sign Michael to, you know, a double A contract and have him play. Um, that was interesting because my dad is also a huge baseball fan. So kind of I kind of picked his brains a little bit about stuff at that time, because obviously, like, I was a little younger, didn't really care about sports in that way. Um, you know, my dad obviously, you know, loved sports and kind of knew the what was going on. And, you know, he would tell me that they would, like, literally like, every day, like, he would, they would talk about on the radio or his or him and his co-workers would talk about kind of like what they saw in the newspaper and stuff like that because it was such national news because, you know, one of the greatest basketball players of all time is playing baseball and not even, like, major league, like, double A, which is a trip. Um, Michael hit 202 with 50 RBIs, which is insane. Um, 202 is not that good, right? In the grand scheme of things. So it basically means that um, for every 10 pitches, you hit two of them. Um, the greatest players hit three out of ten. But that discrepancy with so many at-bats and stuff like that, it becomes a big deal. Again, Michael was doing this after not playing, you know, baseball since he was 17. So him being able to hit 50 RBIs in one year is kind of insane. Because even at the minor league level, like, players can play. Like, they're good. Um, you know... So him being what I think he was like thirty one when he retired that first time and you know played baseball and being like the oldest and probably tallest you know t uh, teammate must have been kind of interesting um, especially because again like he's Michael fucking Jordan <laughs> so um, so that was really cool I just that's one of the things that trips me out because baseball is such a different sport like there are certain there are different things they get to work on so. Him being a goddamn lunatic was working on all these different facets of baseball while he was, you know, 31, which is crazy. Like, it's crazy to trying to, like, see somebody rework their entire workout system, rework, like, obviously working more on hand-eye coordination stuff, like, working on, like, bat speed and just, you know, fielding. Fielding is hard, bro. <laughs> like, I played for a little bit, and it is, it's tough. Um, so I kind of think that was really interesting. Um, and then of course, like they kind of talk about him coming back into the league and just seeing how, you know, like he wore 45 because that was his first jersey number apparently. And it was so interesting seeing, seeing him come back and just being like, and just being like, oh, okay, like I'm going to come back and play. But he wasn't really conditioned to play ba basketball, which... I wouldn't say is 
a knock on baseball because it's a completely different sport. But in baseball, you're not generally running, you know, three miles on a small little court all the time, you know, or whatever, however long people run or however what the distance is for average for the average uh, length that people run uh, on a basketball court. Um, but it's just so interesting just because it's, you know, he comes back and he faces Orlando, the Orlando Magic, who have Penny Hardaway, you know, a young Shaq. You know, Nick Anderson wasn't that bad either, you know, from what I've seen of, again, like the mad, the, the Orlando Magic documentaries and stuff like that. Um, they were really fucking good, you know. So it made sense for, like, for him trying to come back in, like, the middle of the season or towards the end of the season, really, and just trying to come back and dominate, like... It's not going to happen. Um, you know, and the whole reason why he decided to leave baseball apparently is because of the walkout, according to the documentary. And that walkout was really crazy because the Rangers, our Texas Rangers, had a, they were winning their division, uh, being 10 games under 500. <laughs> um, that was also the year that the Montreal Expos were really good, apparently. Um, again, like that season was a wash for them. So, because, again, it was, you know, um, a strike and stuff like that. Um, you know, and then, like, they kind of talk about, like, okay, like, after that season, he was like, okay, like, I'm going to go into work on this Space Jam movie. And while I'm working on the Space Jam movie, I'm going to go ahead and get back into shape by playing the best of the players in pickup games. Which, uh, that footage was really cool. Um, I had never seen it before. I'm sure a lot of people have. Um, it's kind of upsetting kind of weird that all this all this footage that apparently was taken um for that last season like the only use they're only using like maybe one percent of it <laughs> which kind of sucks but um again like seeing you know seeing michael jordan play against you know reggie miller and some other guys like that was pretty cool to kind of see kind of see that i kind of see like what they're talking about him like yeah, he's trying to get back in shape, but he's also studying the players again. He's trying to study, like, the young guys who are coming in the league and how he's going to attack them when he comes back and stuff like that. Um, you know, it was... It's just really interesting kind of seeing, you know, all the other stuff that was going on in this, in this, in this, these two episodes. Um, another part that really interested me was you know, kind of talking about, like, just, like, again, like, how much of a psychopath Michael is. And a lot of this documentary so far has been, Michael's a psychopath, you know. Um, you know, when they're talking, when they're kind of backtrack, kind of talking about um, uh, part of the second three-peat, when they're facing the Hornets and B.J. Armstrong, who used to play for the, used to play for the Bulls, um, kind of knows, like, hey, like, how to attack Michael and how to... Um, you know, how to attack, like, you know, their defense and stuff like that. And they win a game, you know. They win a game, and the next game, you know, the, for the series, Michael's like, okay, fuck this. Like, I'm going to fucking kill them. And, um, you know, he did. He fucking destroyed them, which was kind of cool. Um, the other story that was talked about, which right now, which as of now is my favorite all-time Michael Jordan story, is a story about him... And LeBradford Smith, Le Bradford, sorry, LeBradford Smith. Um, so the sto- so I'm sure everybody's seen the documentary. If you're listening to this, basically 
LeBradford Smith apparently says, "Nice game, nice game, Mike." To Michael Jordan, um, after after beating him, I think he was with the Bullets, and after beating him, which you know apparently like causes. And I think I think apparently LeBradford scored like what like thirty seven, thirty eight points, something like that, in the, in the win, and um, you know, so as the story goes. Michael hears that and is like, okay, like, I'm going to fucking kill you the next time we see each other. And um, uses that and scores, like, 35 in the first half of the game and just destroys the dude. Like, and he's, a, I remember, so apparently the Bradford Smith is the rookie at the time. He's a rookie at the time. You know, so it's just, like, him being a little cocky, whatever, and stuff like that. And so, you know, kills him, kills the bullets, whatever. And then... Michael comes out later and says that he lied about the entire thing, you know? So he's basically creating, he's basically creating, um, you know, a reason like motivation to kill somebody in a game, even if something didn't happen. Um, just like just um, the amount of stuff where like the brain, like the, the galaxy brain, you have to be able to like kind of just do that. Um, is super insane. Um, you know, <laughs> I have a note here where I'm talking about the Woj Bomb commercial. Um, for guy, for those of you who didn't know, and uh, Kirk Series Face uh, tweeted it, some other people tweeted uh, the visual of it, but apparently there was a Woj Bomb commercial where it was like some bombs have a ticker or something, but this bomb is a Twitter? I don't know. It's something like that. And it was just, like, such a weird thing to put online. Like, I know that we're starving for content and anything that is basketball-related at all. <laughs> so kind of seeing that was just... It just threw me out, threw me for a loop for a little bit. Like, I was, like... I could not be the only person who saw this, um, you know. Uh, so, I mean, like, that was that was pretty interesting. Um Again, the music uh, was really goddamn good. Uh, they played that song by KRS-One, uh, which, I mean, I'm a little bit younger. Like, I do listen to hip-hop, but I never really... Like, I know that song by KRS-One and a few others. Um, you know, I'm a young Latino guy. Like, I don't, you know, I don't really listen to that type of stuff, really. But, um, like, 80s hip-hop. Like, 80s hip-hop, I just like early 90s or whatever um so but i mean i love that song so that was really cool to kind of see that like as the backdrop for you know montages of jordan just starting to come back from his you know retirement and stuff like that really his hiatus um you know and then they're kind of talking and then again the structure of the documentary doesn't make any damn sense it makes sense now but for the first few episodes i was so confused as to like hey like they're starting the story in 98. Oh, wait, no, they're going back to, like, 91. And then they're going back to 98. Oh, wait, now we're going back to, like, 85. Um, the structure really fucks me up because I wish it was more linear. <laughs> like, hey, like, here's Michael, like, when he, you know, when he was starting off, here's the whole story about how, how um, Air Jordan started or, you know, stuff like that. Or just, like, hey, here are, here how, here's how he struggled early on okay cool like you know and just keep that in the back burner and we'll talk about it 
later on, stuff like that. But so it got to the point where they're talking about they're talking about um they're talking about his uh going up against the going up against the supersonics in the finals um which Gary Payton is a fucking great person <laughs> Sean Kemp I actually found a a jersey of Sean Kemp's at a thrift store a long time ago um I used to like I used to buy jerseys at thrift shops and then kind of flip them for extra money like just as a side thing um it's funny cuz I actually did I found a, a a Jordan jersey um a while back, it was like an extra, extra large, and I flipped that. I, I think I, I, I bought it for like six bucks, and then like sold it for like sixty. So that was kind of cool. Um, just little shit like that. Um, anyway, so I'm kind of digressing, but, um, you know, so I kind of talk about, you know, the Bulls and and the SuperSonics meeting, you know, in the finals, and this is the '72 intensities, and which you know, everybody knows, kind of knows now, where it's like. 72, 72 and 10 doesn't mean anything without the ring and stuff like that. Um, you know, because, again, if you win 72 or 73, 73 games and then win, you know, win the uh, win the finals, like, you're literally the best team of all time, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, they're kind of talking about it. And at this point, you can kind of tell, like, maybe going for 72 wins was not a good idea because they're tired, you know? Um, it seemed more like of that series being more of a slog fest for a lot of the Bulls, especially Michael, because, I mean, what do you do best besides put the team on his back? Um, you know, so they're kind of talking about it, they're kind of talking about it, they're talking about how, again, like, all these stories just confirmed to me, like, one how much of a psychopath Michael Jordan is, and two, um, so one, how much of a psychopath Michael Jordan is, and two, just how much that fucking rolled, (laughs) you know? Now, looking back at it, like, again, like, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the way he carries himself, like, how that would have gone, like, in the social media age that we're in now. Um, I personally think he would have adapted, like, really well. And would have just, like, somehow would have been able to, like, not, not not ever talk to the press. And, like, I don't know. Like, I just, like, he would have been probably not very big on social media in the first place. Um, just because I don't think he wanted, he would want to show any signs of weakness. But I do think he probably would have had burners at the same time. Just because, you know, if you have a burner, you can hide behind that. Shout out to Kevin Durant. Um... You know, and some other, and, and Colangelo and everybody. Um, but, you know, they're talking about the series, you know, the series, the 72 and, 10, 72 and 10 season, and this final series where they're talking about how George Carlisle didn't, or not George Carlisle, George Carl didn't say hello to Michael when they at some restaurant. And everybody's thought it was like, oh, fuck, you absolutely fucked up because not saying hi to Michael or not like being courteous to Michael is like a big F you. And so, you know, they're, they, I think they go up like three Oh on the, on the supersonics, which, okay. Like that's kind of like, okay, the coronation, like it's done. Like, you know, it's going to be whatever. Um, but what's insane to me is that the fact that George Carl did not put Gary Payton on Michael Jordan until it was all, it's basically too late. 
Um, again, like, Gary Payton, the glove, if you guys don't know, like, was a defensive monster. Like, he was pretty, he was, he was pretty good, pretty damn good offensively, but defensively is, like, what he's known for. Knows he's known for. Um, he's called the glove, you know? <laughs> um, and the fact that they didn't, that, that George Carl, George Carl, goddamn, George Carl didn't put Payton on MJ until, what, like, game four is insane, dude. Like, I mean, does it change the series? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I'm kind of thinking not because the meme that's going around and will be part of the Michael Jordan collection because his memes are super elite. Um, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, like Michael's listening, the, the damn iPad in this fucking documentary, dude, like literally the best part, it's literally the best part of the documentary is when they have Michael just like listening to like the interviews from other players or other people and just his reactions. So like him listening to Gary Payton and basically be like, Hey, like this series would have changed. Like. I never backed down to Michael Jordan, like basically not calling him a bitch or anything like that, but basically just being like, you know, like I could have stopped him and stuff like that. And just Michael Jordan, just like laughing his ass, like looking at, looking at the iPad for a second, lifting his head towards the ceiling and just laughing his ass off. It's such a great still, such a great part of the documentary um, again, it's going to be in the pantheon of Michael Jordan memes because he is just chock full of them, especially when we consider this, uh, this, uh, the series and stuff like that, you know, and so that was really awesome kind of seeing that happen. Um, you know, and then kind of going into next week, you know, they start talking about, again, um, the last dance. And kind of talking about how he's going to be going up against the Pacers, who, you know, Reggie Miller's a sniper. <laughs> and um, kind of talking about, you know, kind of talking to Reggie. And I, I'm really excited because all of the next week is the last two episodes. And it's going to be a, it's going to be the last time we see basketball for a little bit, I think. Um, unless, I don't know. But, um you know, I'm really excited about, really excited to kind of see the ending of this and what, how it culminates. Like, we all know the story. Like, we all know, like, okay, obviously, like, he three-peats, you know, retires, comes back, three-peats again, and then retires, never comes back because the Wizards years never happened. But, um, you know, I'm really excited. Um, this was, these two episodes are probably two of my favorites i think i think i think for the most part i think this week and last week so far have been like the highlights the general highlights of this of this uh of this documentary uh series um you know and uh i appreciate you guys listening if you're listening if you've listened so far um shout out to you uh you guys are great um you know I am very much missing basketball, as I'm sure all you guys are, and here I am talking about a documentary <laughs> instead of, you know, basketball. Obviously, the Mavs should be in the second round, or, you know, right now, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, you guys stay safe. 
please wash your hands. Um, I know things have been been a little bit more lax as of late, but I, you know, until I see more data, I just would rather stay inside. So um, y'all just be safe out there, please. Uh, just remember, like, if you're not doing it for a year, you're, you know, if you're not, you know, practicing safe practices um, for yourself, you know, do it for your mom or your grandmother or, you know, your neighbor who might be a little older and stuff like that. Um, so just be good. Uh, see you guys later.